there's a story told of a barber, and he was well known in the town in which he cut hair. And uh, he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But people knew him as a little eccentric. Um, he would say things or do things that were sometimes just you know, caught a little off guard and maybe not done quite like anyone else would do them. And, but everybody in town knew him, so they kind of overlooked his eccentric behavior. So one day, a stranger walked into his barber shop and asked for a haircut and a shave. And so as he was cutting this gentleman's hair, something inside of him said, you need to share Jesus. And he's thinking, I can't do that. And so the more he would cut, the more this voice inside of him would say, you need to share Jesus. Well, he finished the haircut, and he lathered him up for the shave, and he turned around on the counter behind him to pick up his straight razor, and he opened his straight razor, and that voice was just there, you need to share Jesus. And he said, I'm going to do it. So he walked around in front of the guy and lifted his straight razor, and he said, are you prepared to meet your maker today? And the man jumped up and ran out of the barbershop yelling, still lathered up and with his cape on. Um, you know, there are times to witness for Christ and maybe good ways to witness. I'm not sure that was the best timing or the best way for the barber to do it. But he did listen to <laughs> the Lord inside saying, you need to tell this man about Jesus. Today we're in week five of our 50 days to vitality. And our focus this week is going to be on the Great Commission. If you have your Bibles, uh, this is a familiar passage to you, but uh, many of you could uh, probably quote some of this by uh, memory, but uh, the verses will be on the screen, or if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, Matthew 28, 16 through 20 are the verses this morning. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for you are our strength, and our Redeemer. I pray, for, Lord, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. And we pray this in your name. Amen. 
Go and make disciples, and we know this as the Great Commission is stood for ages. It was given on the mountain, and the disciples lived into this in the early church. This has been handed down uh, as we have read it and taught it for generation after generation, for decades, for centuries. We have heard, uh, the church has heard the Great Commission to go and make disciples. So it is a call to arms for the believers in the church. The question would be, why is it so hard for us to do this? I was thinking about this this week, and so I thought, well, number one, we are somewhat reserved. Many of us typically are not really demonstrative or demonstrate our emotions or feelings. Um, you know, we are sensitive about matters, but not openly with others about those, especially those difficult or uh, personal matters. And unfortunately, it carries over to our relationship with God we think, oh, well, that's personal, and that is a person's responsibility. It's not mine, and so we seem to kind of be reserved about typically sharing our feelings about Jesus Christ. Secondly, we are socially restrained. Um, most of us don't like to impose on others because we don't like to be imposed on. We try to be gracious. You know, if, if someone comes into our fellowship, we, we welcome them, but we certainly aren't overly pushy when it comes, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? And so we are somewhat restrained sometimes saying, well, that's not my job, that's the pastor's job. And then third, and probably most importantly, one of the reasons that it is hard for us to share our witness of Christ is we are so theologically grounded in the doctrine of election we think, okay, it is God who does the saving, and that is correct. It is God who does the calling, that is correct. It is God who calls us to bear his name and to sing his praises and to worship him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and body, and to lift him up to glorify him. It is God's doing, not mine. And that is correct in one sense of that, is that God does the saving, God does the electing, God does all of that. You cannot save anyone, but the Scripture reminds us over and over again that the heart is stirred by testimony, by the Word, that a person's heart is quickened by the Spirit because they hear someone teach, preach, or witness to Jesus Christ. But we think so often that, okay, 
I'm just not going to interfere. God's going to take care of this anyway. It's not going to really make any difference whether I do or I don't. So I'm just going to choose not to do that. So we're temperamentally reserved, socially restrained, and we are theologically grounded in election. And then I thought, well, no wonder we are called the frozen chosen. But all of that to say there is no escaping that Jesus tells us to go. That as you are going, we are to make disciples. This is the final command that Jesus gives before his ascension. And we are to carry out this to the best of our ability by the power of the Holy Spirit... We are to go, to share, to make disciples. And the passage this morning begins with, but the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee. That is an interesting sentence because when we think about it, we think often the twelve disciples, and, and we know that when this particular when Matthew records this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, we know who's missing. And it is a reminder for us that Judas is no longer with them, that he had betrayed Jesus in the garden. It is a symbol that the church is imperfect. And it used to bother me when especially early on in my ministry, that not everyone in the church would be present on Sunday morning for worship. I used to think, what is wrong with the church? What is wrong with the church that you've called me to be a pastor of that so many are, are gone and out and they don't come to worship every Sunday? And I had to get over that because I don't think in 32 plus years that everyone that I have pastored has been there on the same Sunday so that everyone is there. There are reasons that people miss worship. And so I had to understand that the church is not perfect. The, the fact is, is that on any given Sunday, anyone might walk through the church's doors that is not a member of the church because they came seeking Jesus. You see, the church is not perfect. In fact, the church should operate as a hospital. It should be where the lost, the lame, the blind, the hurting, the sick, the outcast, the marginalized, all find Jesus. It is a place where we as believers that, is, that are a part of the body of Christ should be welcoming should be caregiving, should offer Christ so that the body of Christ lifts up its praise and glorifies God the Father through Jesus Christ. This is the church. And so often we think the church should be perfect, but it's not. It's a place where people come to meet the risen Savior. It is even where the believer comes 
to be healed. The eleven went to Galilee. They went back to their old stomping grounds. This, according to Matthew, was a mountain where Jesus had designated for them to go to. After his resurrection, he had been with them on several occasions, and and, and now he has told them to go to Galilee, and I will meet you there. When we think of the mountain, we ought to think in our mind, oh, this symbolizes a place where God meets people. Moses met God in the burning bush on the mountain. Moses met God on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. The Jews went up to Mount Zion to worship. Jesus went up to the mountain called Calvary to be crucified for the sins of the world. Where else would Jesus ask his disciples to meet him, the risen Savior, the one that was about to ascend to heaven, but at the mountain, a place to meet the forever everlasting God? And so Matthew says that they, they went to the mountain to meet Jesus and that Jesus came to them and when they saw him, that they worshipped him. Now, that's not where that sentence stops. It says that they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. What? Some were doubtful. Is it talking about the 11? Well, maybe. They had spent three years with him. They had listened to him. Uh, We saw the betrayal in in Judas and betraying him. Could this have been that some were doubtful even though they had seen the resurrected Lord? It could be. Most scholars, though, think that This is the place that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. If you read it, verses 6 through 8, you'll see that it says in the Scripture that Jesus appeared to more than 500 at one time. Many scholars believe that as the disciples were making their way to Galilee, as they were going to a mountain where Jesus would have preached before, where he would have have taught many and even hundreds at the time during his ministry, that they would have followed the eleven and went back to see what was going to happen. Many had heard of the time that Jesus was resurrected, that he had been seen, that he was ministering with the eleven. And here they go to Galilee and 40 days have passed since his resurrection. And maybe the group that was there were 500 or more and here Jesus appears once more. And if there were 500 who had gathered, who had followed the 11 to the mountain, certainly there would have been those that were doubtful, those that may have went to try to clear up their doubt about this risen Savior that they had seen or heard had been crucified but was now alive. It's no different in the congregation of today or any day. Varying degrees of belief. Most of us believe that everyone that comes to church 
has this solid faith, but that's just not true. There are those that are seekers, and certainly we want to see seekers in the church to come to an understanding of Jesus as Lord and Savior. But there are those who have given their life to Christ that come to church, that come to hear about Jesus, that are not as mature in their faith as others. There are certainly those that are seasoned and mature and have grown in their faith. Then there are those that are seeking to grow deeper. Those that do not have a a strong understanding of who the Lord is in their life. And to be honest with you, at any given Sunday, there can be a mixture here of those who are strong in their faith and mature and those who are trying to build on their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite passages uh, prayers in Scripture comes from, gospel, from the Gospel of Mark. And it's where the, the father brings his child to be healed by Jesus. And before Jesus heals the child, in Mark 9, verses 23 and 24, it says, And Jesus said to him, If you can, because the, the father had said, If you can heal my son. And Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And I love this response. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. All of us at times, not that we doubt Jesus, the risen Savior, But often we will have a time in our life where we face something or something comes on us where it's pressing in. And it's not that we doubt our faith, but it's almost like we doubt the presence of the living Savior in that moment. Can he answer that prayer? Is he walking with me through this? I don't feel you right now, Jesus. Doubt and fear can go hand in hand. But the stronger that we are in our faith and the more that we walk with Christ, the more that doubt will dissipate. On the mountain that day, Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So my question this morning would be, can we take the Great Commission more seriously? You have heard this passage preached. You have heard it taught. Many of you that have been in the church for decades of your life, you have heard the Great Commission. You have been challenged to go and live into the Great Commission But do we, or the church today, take it as seriously as we should? I want to give you four points this morning of why I think that there's a ways that we can live into taking this more seriously. And the first is recognize that God has authority. 
Jesus says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. He didn't say just some. He didn't say just a little. He didn't say just a smidgen has been given to me. Everything else relies or lays with my Father in heaven. He said, all authority has been given to me. All authority. And I command you to go. He is not saying... If you want to decide to do it, or I wish you would consider doing this, or if you would think about going, that would really be nice. That is not what this man is saying. It is a commandment. It is a commandment for Je- from Jesus to the believer to go. It's not a question. He's not simply just putting this out. He is conveying to the disciples and ultimately to us, you go and you witness to who I am. So as you are going, and that's step number two, as you are going, we are to go. It is imperative. It is proactive. It is not enough just to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, just to come and sit in a chair or for those to sit in a pew in the churches that have pews or just enjoy your relationship with God. Those are important. And and hear me, church. If you never present Christ... If you have given your life to Christ, your salvation is secure. This isn't a salvific piece. This is a command for us as believers to share the one who has saved us. To tell of the one who has brought us into his kingdom, into his family. And so... Often we just sit back and we enjoy the relationship that God has given us in Jesus Christ and He has given us His Holy Spirit and we find peace and and we find comfort and God guides us along the way. But the Scripture tells us that if we will be those witnesses that the Holy Spirit will give us the words, if we will take the initiative If we will move, I know it does not come naturally. I know that the holy that the uh, that Satan tries to keep the Holy Spirit in us at bay, so that we hear these negatives. Oh, it's not so easy. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, and you just fill in the blank of the excuses that we give the Lord in not going and sharing who He is. But we have to go if we're going to take the Great Commission seriously. The question would be is, do we? Do we, as we are going, share Jesus in our workplace, at the grocery store, at the gas station, at the restaurant, at the civic club, maybe in our retirement home or in our condos or in our neighborhoods. You've heard me say many times that 
80% of the folks visiting church for the first time do so because someone from church has invited them to come. And so we have to be about going as we are going, as we live our life. We present Christ. Step number three is to make disciples. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Now, I want you to notice he doesn't say, go and recruit church members. That is not what he says. It's not about numbers. He says, go and make disciples. We are not about just filling roles with people who are not committed in growing their relationship with Christ. In other words, as people come into the church, it's our responsibility to share Christ with them so that they come to a saving knowledge, so that they grow in their faith, so that they learn more about Christ. They become disciples of Jesus Christ. The implication here is disciples are not um, are born, but they are made. God is the one who calls his children but he is calling us to help them to grow in their faith through his word, through teaching, through example. He is calling us to train the church to be disciples so that they can go and make disciples. That's why my madness, I guess some may call it, um, in the past has been to preach and teach spiritual gifts over a number of months. We, we taught spiritual gifts in preaching and then we fleshed them out in Sunday school. And even had you do a spiritual gift survey to see where your gifts were so that you would serve in building the body of Christ. It's why that we taught on spiritual disciplines. I preached through spiritual disciplines and we talked about those in Sunday school, how to live into those in our everyday life. We, we taught on faith sharing. We did role play up here so that you could learn how to take your faith so that you were disciples of Jesus Christ and could take your faith out into a lost world and share it. A disciple is one who is disciplined in the faith, the standards, the expectations that God has on us. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are to carry that example out in the world. Here is a simple way to, to do that, and when you are confronted with someone, you might say, as they are talking, well, here's what I believe, and here's how I would handle that. And, and the way I handle it is, is based on my relationship with Christ. And then share that. Very simple way. Here's what works best for me because of my relationship with Jesus. Here's how I respond in this situation because of how Scripture 
has instructed me to respond. Some may say, well, Marty, do you set the example? Well, if you want to go with me, you can. In the alleyways or aisles of Sam, at Sam's when I buy food, when I get a chance to stop and talk to someone that works there, where can I find this? Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Well, what are you buying for? I'm buying for the church. I pastor the church over on Green Road. And and we have a Wednesday night supper, and that's what I'm buying food for. Do you want to come? Or the lady that works at Foodline that knows me by name. And every Wednesday when I go in there and buy stuff for Wednesday night, she'll say, you're getting food for supper, aren't you, for the church? Or at Panera, where I go and study and open the Bible, and someone says, I see that you got your Bible open. Are you a Christian? Yes. And sometimes conversations can ensue from that. So, are we making disciples by our example and our practice? Do we take time to sit down and explain to others what we believe, why we believe? Telling them such things as, I go to church on Sunday morning to praise God and to listen to God's word and to learn more about him, not to be entertained. I study the scriptures to find meaning and direction for my life. I seek to be a blessing to others, not because... I have to, but because I'm grateful for the many ways that God has blessed me. I pray every day, thanking God for the mercies and asking God to bless those that are in need. When it comes to trouble, I look to God to comfort and to find strength. In times of uncertainty, I'm not afraid because I know that God is with me. I'm not alone, and he gives me grace for every sufficient need. I believe all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. And I believe that there is nothing that will separate me from the love that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his purpose and will. These are things that are easy to recite, to say, to to give as a, a personal testimony as you are walking daily, helping others to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then fourth, finally, share the good news with everyone you meet, knowing that God walks with you. That's the fourth step. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Lo, I am with you always. So the first piece of that is we are to go and make disciples of all nations. The gospel of Jesus is inclusive. It's not exclusive. In other words, it is for all who would call upon his name. Everyone that calls on Jesus, regardless of of race or culture or sin, 
those who truly call upon the name of the Lord and surrender their life to him will be saved. Our tendency is to be attractive to those like us, birds of a feather or feather flock together is the saying. Most churches, and thank goodness ours is not one of them, but most churches are homogeneous as far as you look out across the congregation. I'm so thankful that we have many different nations represented here in our church and even more that worship with us online. And so our question here is not who is currently in our congregation, but if we are to go and share the gospel with all, what does that look like for Hope Church? Well, we don't have to look very far. We can look just around us in our community, in our neighborhood. There are more people, you say, how do you know this? It's only a guess, but I would challenge anyone to prove me wrong. There are more people in their houses this morning in the areas around us than there are in church. Are we willing to go across Millbrook? or down Spring Forest, or across Capitol, into areas that may not look like us, or speak like us, or from the same country as us, are we? And the second part of that passage there making disciples of all nations, Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we know, every one of us that are believers know that we have this indwelling Holy Spirit, and we know we have the promise of God that he will walk with us and go with us and give us the words as we go. So we're not alone. We are Walking with Christ. Christ is walking with us. He is in us and with us and guiding us as we share, if we share. There were two guys that knew each other growing up. They went through elementary school together, high school together. They were best of friends, but as they went to college, they went to separate, their separate ways. And, um, and so after college... They both came back to their community to work. One during their college years had been saved, gave his life to the Lord. The other had not. And so they, as they came back into their hometown and as they uh, you know, reacquainted themselves from their separation, they began to do things together. They would go fishing. They would go hunting but one of the guys noticed that his friend would say, well, I can't do that on Sunday. Um, that's the day I go to church. And so they would never plan anything on Sundays. So one Saturday, 10 years later, 
They're sitting fishing on the bank of the river. And the guy that was unsaved asked his Christian friend this, and I quote, Do you believe that anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus and follow him and follows him will spend an eternity in hell? End quote. And his Christian friend said, why, yes. And the unsafe friend said, and I quote, then why haven't you in all of these years told me about Jesus? If you say you love me, why wouldn't you tell me that there is a way to heaven? End quote. He had the good news. But he had never shared it with his unsaved friend. In all of those years. If we really care about someone, someone that we love, someone in our family, someone in our work or neighborhood that we know that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we have never ever approached them, Do we really love them that much? To not take the opportunity to share with them? On this day, as Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, this is his last act with his disciples. This is what he leaves them with. We'll go to Acts 1 next week. But this is what he leaves them with. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go and tell people about me, instructing them in what I have taught you. This is what I want you to do. Be proactive. Be interactive. Be disciplined in teaching and setting the example before others. Be willing to embrace those different than you. Love those that don't look like you. And I got to believe if Jesus was here this morning, he would look at all of us and he would say, what are you sitting here for? Go and make disciples. Father, thank you for the challenge of this text. And yes, it is somewhat hard at times. Father, if we, um, if we don't practice it, it's hard to do it. But Father, you have called us to go and make disciples, to go and share your word, to go and share who you are, to live out and practice as an example of Christ in us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that all of us would take the Great Commission seriously in all that we do as we are going. May we share you with others. Use us, Father, for your will and purpose, for all of those you are calling, and we'll give you thanks. For it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.